0: Good morning again. <laughs> Normally, I'm not, I don't speak until until that. So I, I thought that Tanner did really well. Don't you? Can you give Tanner a hand? He, uh, I didn't. I didn't know he could sing until a couple of weeks ago. I, I I really. I'd heard him sing a couple of times and kind of scared me when he told me you were going to sing. And then and then another surprise I had is that uh, our normal piano player, which is Lauren, is in Florida with Cecil. And then Sister Connie is not here this morning. And so I thought, what am I going to do without a piano player? And so, uh, lo and behold, Julie Townsley has been holding out on me for the, the six weeks that I've been here. And I had no idea that she played piano. And so I really appreciated her helping me this morning. I thought she did good too. Don't you think so? Uh, we're, just, we're just blessed, really, with an abundance of, of people here that can do things. And, and some of you are probably still holding out on me about stuff. Uh, and, and I'll tell you another quick thing. Before I preach, I, was, I told them somebody, just as a joke, I said, if we ever hit the 200 mark, I said, I'm going to get our, our deacons to come up here and sing as a trio. And, and I thought, that'll really shake them up. Well, then I told Charlie that, and Charlie said, well, that's fine. I used to sing with a quartet, so I don't mind at all. So, <laughs> so you, can't even, you can't even scare people around here with getting up on stage. But it's good to be here this morning, and, and I love the Lord. I'm glad to be saved and glad to be here this morning. Uh, next week, I will be in Israel. And hopefully, if all goes well, they are going to project me onto the screen. I'm going to try to preach from Israel. It's going to be 6 p.m. over there, so we're hoping the daylight works out. But uh, we'll be over there, so I'm excited to be able to preach from the shores of the Sea of Galilee. But tonight, I'm going to preach from the shores of Center Hill, so that'll be fine. So uh, if you have your Bible this morning, please turn to the book of Revelation. The book of Revelation, chapter number 1. Uh, the last book in your Bible, it'll be a, a Jude and then Revelation. And when you find Revelation chapter number 1, if you will please stand to honor the reading of God's Word. Revelation chapter 1. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you just a, a little bit of a, a, just a warning here. They're not a warning, but I would say that people are sometimes scared of the book of Revelation. You say Revelation and people get nervous on you sometimes. And, and I told somebody yesterday that, that wasn't here, I think it was, or no, it was Mark. I told him Friday, I told Mark I was preaching from Revelation. And his eyes just got real big and he said, are you sure that you want to do that? And I said, no, I'm not sure I want to do that, but the Lord wants me to do that. So here we are. So Revelation chapter number one, and I'm going to read uh, uh, most of the chapter actually. So if you're there, please shout amen for me. I said, shout amen for me. That's a little better. I like to hear that. The Bible says in Revelation chapter 1, verse 1, "...the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him to show unto his servants things, which must shortly come to pass. And he sent and signified it by his angel unto his servant John, who bare record of the word of God and of the testimony of Jesus Christ and of all things that he saw." He goes on to say, Blessed is he that readeth. Blessed is he that readeth this book. It didn't say you should be scared, but you should be blessed. And he says, And they that hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written therein, for the time is at hand. John to the seven churches which are in Asia, grace be unto you in peace from him which is and which was and which is to come and from the seven spirits which are before his throne and from Jesus Christ who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead, and the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us, and washed us from our sins in his own blood. Say amen right there. That's, that's worth saying amen to. I'm glad that he did that. And hath made us kings and priests unto God and his Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Behold, he cometh with clouds, and every eye shall see him, and they also which pierced him, and all kindreds of the earth shall wail because of him, even so, amen. Verse 8, here's the text this morning. He says, this is Jesus speaking, says, I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending, saith the Lord, which is and which was and which is to come, the Almighty. It goes on to say in verse 11, if you'll skip down with me, it says, saying, I'm the Alpha and Omega, Jesus again, the first and the last, and what thou seest, write in a book, and send it unto the seven churches which are in Asia, unto Ephesus, unto Smyrna, unto Pergamus, unto Thyatira, and unto Sardis, unto Philadelphia, and unto Laodicea. Let's pray. Father, we love you. God, we thank you for the many blessings. Lord, I thank you for the privilege that it is to be here this morning. God, we have a privilege that so many people in the world don't have, and that is to, to gather together and worship this morning corporately. And God, I thank you for that. Lord, I thank you for each one that's here. God, I just pray that you would just pour out a special blessing on them for being here this morning. God, I know that there are people this morning that are probably hurting and and things, they don't feel so well, but God, they put forth the effort, Lord, and I know that you'll reward them for that. God, I just pray that you would use me as your vessel this morning. God, I can't preach, Lord, unless the Holy Spirit does the preaching. God, I just pray that you would use me as your vessel this morning. Lord, guard my mouth. Lord, let me not say anything that would bring dishonor to you, but let me say everything that would bring glory and, Lord, that would, that would point folks towards you. Y'all, give me clarity of mind and clarity of speech to preach your word this morning, God, and we'll praise you and we'll thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Now again I said the book of Revelation is, is something that people tend to steer away from but I'll go ahead and tell you this morning I'm not preaching prophecy I'm not preaching anything that's too scary and I'm, I will get outside of the first book, uh, first chapter but I'm going to preach this morning from Genesis to Revelation so we may be here a while somebody said that, I told them I had two cups of coffee this morning so I'm ready to go and somebody said well, we may be here all day is anybody okay with us being here all day? Tanner's okay with that, amen I'm glad some of you are, are good, good with that but the book of Revelation is something that you should not avoid. I'll go ahead and say that from a scholarly point of view. It's something that you should read. Now, are you going to understand the entire book of Revelation when you read through it the first time? Absolutely not. If you were to understand everything that the book of Revelation said the first time, then you probably have a doctorate degree and you're a whole lot smarter than any of us in here But as I read the book of Revelation and as I studied it out, there are things that even a simple guy, just a hillbilly from Sparta, Tennessee like me, can understand. And so this... This morning we get to the first chapter and we're here in the first chapter. And I want you to notice the first few words in the first verse. This is something that if we're not careful, if you don't slow down, if you just read your Bible quickly, especially when you get to a book like Revelation, just to say you've read it, you'll just run over the top of things. You'll just, you'll just see something and you won't stop and see what it says and you'll just go on. So the book of Revelation is summed up in just this, this first sentence here the revelation of Jesus Christ. What this book was given to us for, why God gave this book to John the Revelator, is so that we could understand who Jesus really is so that we could see Jesus revealed in his fullness. Because I want to I put this out here this morning, and this will be the sermon that we have not seen Jesus for who he really is completely yet. Can you say amen right there? Well, I'm going to preach this morning on this simple, very simple idea from verse number 8. And Jesus says in verse number 8, he says, I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending, saith the Lord. But here's the message this morning. He says, which is and which was and which is to come. Jesus says this. He says, I am the one that is now. I'm the one that was, and then he says, I am the one that is to come. Now, if you go back up into the previous verses, you'll find that God also says the exact same thing in verse number 4. This is God speaking from him, which is, and which was, and which is to come. So the first thing that we see in this scripture this morning is that Jesus is right up there, is on an equal plane, and is, is to be exalted just as we exalt God. Amen. We, uh, Jesus Christ, he, he came and died for our sins, and we see that in verse number 5. But after that, there's more. If it would have just stopped at the cross, if it would have just stopped at the grave, it, it wouldn't have been as great as it could have been. But Jesus says, I am which is to come. So He says that I am Alpha and Omega. Now, that we think about that in, in the simple sense, the beginning and the ending, because the simple explanation is in the verse. But if you know what the alpha is, that is actually the first letter in the Greek alphabet. You can go down here to Tech and some of those frat guys can probably tell you that alpha and, and beta and all these things in, the, in the, the Greek alphabet. But omega is the last letter in the Greek alphabet. So basically what Jesus is saying is, I am the beginning. He said, I am the ending, which is, which is to come but he's also everything in between. Jesus could put put his name and put his and he could label himself with everything in that you could take that Greek alphabet and you can pull any letters and any words from it and they will explain Jesus. He says I am the alpha, the omega, the beginning and the ending. He says the first thing now I'm going to put these in, in in a timeline so that it'll make sense for you. The first thing I want to tell you was that Jesus, he says about the Jesus which was the Jesus which was, now we all understand, I hope we all understand at least, that Jesus did not just show up up on the scene in Luke chapter 2. We have a common misconception in our churches if we're not careful that we read the Bible and we open it to the New Testament and we go over to Matthew and all the Gospels and we read about where Jesus is born and we think, well, that's when Jesus showed up on the scene, but that couldn't be further from the truth. Sure, Jesus came and and took on flesh in in Luke chapter 2, but Jesus is, is that which always was. You can go all the way back to the book of Genesis, back to creation... And we know that God is creating the universe, that God has created everything that we know about. And, and I hope you believe in creation this morning. I hope you don't believe in that big bang. That's a lie. Do you believe in creation this morning that God, just, God could have said bang, right? And it, it all came into existence. But in, in creation, God said, let us make man in our own image. Now, there's two words there that you need to pull out. And the first word is Us. And the next word is our. Now what does that mean? Well, that shows us a little bit of plural nature, right? That shows that God didn't just have himself there, but he also had the Son, and he also had the Holy Ghost at creation. It says that the Spirit of God moved upon the waters, that God that was there, but Jesus was also there and saw this whole thing being created. The Bible also says that Jesus was slain from the foundation of the world. That it took it didn't take Jesus by surprise that he was going to have to be crucified. It, it wasn't that a surprise to Jesus that he knew that. Jesus, which was from the very beginning, knew exactly how this entire thing was going to play out. The thing that we know is, is his life. You can find Jesus in several other places. You can find him just showing up on the scene. If you go to the book of Genesis, and I won't have you turn there this morning, You'll find an interesting character, of an interesting gentleman that meets Abraham one day, and his his name is Melchizedek. anybody ever heard of Melchizedek? And and you read in the book, and, and it's kind of hard, but it says that he is the priest of Salem. He is the one that that is the priest of Salem. Now where did Salem turn into? And maybe this is a little bit prophetical, but but it turned into Jerusalem. You find that. So it was Jesus showed up to Abraham and met him. In the, in the book of Genesis, you go on and he meets Joshua. It says he's the captain of the Lord's host when Joshua's about to go to battle and Jesus shows up on the scene as an angel. And, and so many times that Jesus himself showed up on the scene in the Old Testament. So we see very quickly, and I just wanted to give you an introduction of the Jesus which was... Do we see that Jesus has always been? Don't, don't ever think that, that it all started in Luke chapter 2 or Matthew chapter 1 or wherever. You must know that Jesus was in Genesis chapter 1 verse 1. Before we knew anything, before creation was here, before, before man or, or the earth or anything was ever thought of, that Jesus was on the scene. But then we move on this morning very quickly, and I'll preach this as quickly as I can. But then we go on and we see, saith the Lord, which is... See, there's three different iterations of Jesus here. The Jesus it was, but now we have the Jesus, which is... He is the Jesus that showed up in Luke chapter 2. He is the Jesus that was born of a virgin... That when God went to Mary one day and he revealed himself to her and said that you're going to bear me a son and the Holy Ghost overshadowed her and that she carried the, the uh, Jesus inside of her, boy, wouldn't that have been a blessing. Can you imagine that, to think that God would come to one of you ladies and to say that, that you're going to carry Jesus Christ, you're going to carry the Redeemer of Israel inside your womb. What a blessing that would be for Mary. And, and so God overshadowed her, the Holy Spirit overshadowed her, and Jesus was born. And so we, that began, the Jesus which is. And we know that Jesus was born of a virgin. Now I want to say this, I'm going to, I'm going to lay this out there, that you have to believe these elementary facts in order to be saved. Did you know that? Amen? You have to believe that Jesus was born of a virgin. Because if you don't believe that, then you can't believe that Jesus was worthy to die on a cross for your sins. If Jesus was not born of a virgin, he could not have lived a sinless life. He could not have died on a cross for your sins. And he sure couldn't have got up out of the grave on the third day. So we have the Jesus, which is that did all those things that lived and died. And it says in verse number four or verse number 5, I'm sorry, it says unto him that loved us. Jesus loves us and it says he washes us from our sins in his own blood. We have right now, we, we, I want to say this, that we have a Jesus. We have Jesus that loves us. Jesus loves each and every one of us. And it's easy to love some people. I understand that. It's real easy to love my wife. She's a great lady. She is. She. She. I don't think she's paying attention to me, but that's okay. But some people, it's hard to love. <laughs> I. Pre, I, pre, I. preached on that. I, I preached on that a lot of times. It seems like maybe I need to quit hammering it. But. But I can't imagine dying for some people. Could you? There's about three people I would die for in this world, and that's my wife and my two beautiful children. I w- I would give my. I would give my life up for them right now. If somebody walked in here, if a gunman walked in here, I would say, take me. But God sent His Son to die on a cross for the worst of the worst of the worst. Despicable people. People that, people that, that, that we, would, we would look at them and we would say they just deserve to rot in prison the rest of their life. People that, that we couldn't love. People that we can't even begin to love. It says that He loved us and washed us from our sins in His own blood. Jesus, uh, you know, we have so many simple songs as, as a child, and I love that song, Jesus Loves Me. This I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to Him belong. They are weak, but He is strong. Jesus loves each and every one of us, but He loves the lost too this morning. See, I want you to understand that right now, we live in a time of grace. If I was to to say that there's ever been a great time to be alive, despite all the wickedness that surrounds us, despite all the bad things that are going on, right now is a wonderful time to be alive. Can you say amen? Do you know why? Because we have the opportunity to accept grace. We have a Savior that loves us. We have a Savior that gave himself for us on a cross. We have a Savior that that is right now. Do you know where Jesus is right now? Hebrews tells us where Jesus is right now. That he is sitting at the right hand of God making intercession for each one of us. What a wonderful privilege to think about this, that Jesus and how much he loves us and how much he cares for us and how much compassion that he has for each one of us is now sitting at the right hand of his Father. He ascended back to his Father in Acts chapter 1 and Matthew chapter 28 and all those places that we read about Jesus' ascension. And it said in John chapter 14 that he went away to prepare a place for us. And, And Jesus is up there right now making preparations for you and I so that we can go to heaven. Isn't that a blessing? I'm looking forward to that. That's why I sung those songs this morning when I knew I was going to preach on this, this subject this morning. And they texted me and said, what do, you want to, what do you want to sing this morning? I said, well, first thing, I want to sing Heaven's Jubilee because I'm looking forward to that day. But more than that, I, I said, oh, I want to see him. I want to look up on his face. There to sing forever of His saving grace. I'm looking forward to seeing my Lord and Savior one of these days. And each one of us this morning has the opportunity to take advantage of that. Everybody in the building, if you're lost here this morning, you we live in the best time right now. If I know this is going to sound really weird, but right now is a really good time to be lost because Jesus offers grace to you. Amen. Jesus is sitting there and He's ready to make intercession for you. It's not that you have to to call him up and hope you get him or you might get a voicemail or something like that. Some people say I'm hard to get a hold of on my phone and I apologize. But I guarantee that if you call upon the Lord this morning, that he'll be ready for you, that he'll be waiting for you, that he's on the other end saying, come unto me. He said, and I'll make intercession for you. I'll take your prayers and I'll take them to my Father and my Father will give you forgiveness for your sins. No greater thing that I can think of than to be alive right now. Amen. Jesus, which was back in the Old Testament and from the beginning of time, and the Jesus which is. But then John chapter 14 goes on to say, it says when Jesus said, I'll go prepare a place for you, it also says that I'll come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. This is is where people... Kind of argue a little bit sometimes, amen jesus in in first thessalonians chapter four we we see the return of Jesus. How many of you believe by race hand Jesus is coming back? I'm not here to argue about when it is and timeline and all that stuff i don't want I don't want to get into that this morning, but by one consensus, we can all agree that Jesus is coming and, and if you notice this in the in the text. It says this in verse number 3. It says the time is at hand. (laughs) Now Jesus, or or the the angel was telling John this 2,000 years ago that the time is at hand. It says in verse number 1, he says that this is to show unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass. I often ask my, or just sit in my study or, or talk to people and and one of the things that I always seem to say about, about revelations and about the end times is I just can't believe it hasn't happened yet. That's what amazes me is that Jesus hasn't come back yet. If you go to Matthew chapter number 24 and you read all the things that, which have to happen for Jesus to come back, not a single one has been left undone. Jesus has, uh, the, the, everything has been fulfilled. Every prophecy has been fulfilled. Every I has been dotted. Every T has been crossed for Jesus to come back and get us. And First Thessalonians tells about that. And, and I, won't, I won't read the whole thing to you. But, but it says that, that we are to comfort one another with the idea that Jesus is coming back. If you're saved this morning. If you're born again. If you're on your way to heaven. What a glorious day that will be for you. When Jesus steps out on the cloud and it says that the dead in Christ shall rise first and we which are alive and remain shall not prevent them which sleep. He said, but we're going to go with them and we're going to meet them in the clouds. And it says, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. And he says, wherefore, comfort one another with these words. That comforts me this morning, Tanner, doesn't it, you? To think that one of these days that the struggle's going to be over with. That the sin that we have to deal with every day, that, that the, the sickness and all the pain and all those other things, if you, go to, if you go to Revelation 21, you'll see that all that is done away with because there's no more curse. God, it's as that Jesus wipes the tears from our eyes, and all the struggle and all the things that we deal with on a daily basis, everything's going to be rectified. Everything is going to be made whole again. But before that happens, some other things have to take place. Now, for, for saved people, what a comfort that is. For lost people, not to scare you to death. Amen? If you're lost and you read the book of Revelations, it probably should worry you a little bit. Because if you're lost, there, there's a place in there that lost people are going to be, and that's the great white throne judgment. But before those events occur, let's, let's get into this. Let's read. And I'm going to have you turn your Bibles to there in just a minute. But he says, he says, which is, and which was, and which is to come. See, this is the revelation of Jesus. Jesus in this book, we have all the, the other books of the New Testament to tell us about the Jesus that he is. We have Matthew through Jude It tells about His love, about His comfort, about all these wonderful things that we have. But Revelation kind of puts it into overdrive and takes it to a different level. And we find out who Jesus really is. See, I want you to understand that most of the New Testament and even the prophecies of the Old Testament, and Jesus Himself came as a lamb. Did you know that? A lamb, the Bible says it was going to be taken to the slaughter. The lamb that that died on the cross, the lamb that made the sacrifice. But one of these days, he won't be the lamb anymore. He'll be the lion. Turn your Bibles to Revelation chapter number 19. Revelation chapter number 19. We're going to go to a place that, that is often overlooked by folks. But I think this is worth preaching. Because this morning we're talking about Jesus right now. Jesus, which is to come. In Revelation chapter 19, in verse number 6, says this. John speaking says, And I heard as it is, were the voice of a great multitude, as the voice of many waters, as the voice of mighty thundering, sang hallelujah, for the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. He says, Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to Him, For the marriage of the Lamb is come, and his wife hath made herself ready. And to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white, for the fine linen is the righteousness of the saints. What we have arrived at in, in Revelation chapter 19 is the marriage supper of the Lamb. If you're saved this morning, if you go out in that call in First Thessalonians chapter number 4, whether you're dead in, the dead in Christ or whether you're those which are alive and remain, if you're saved, those people that are saying hallelujah, those people that are saying let's give honor, that's each and every one of us. John saw us, and he saw the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he saw the bride of Christ making herself, and she is made ready, clean and white, ready to come down the aisle. But then something happens in verse number 9, And he saith unto me, Right blessed are they which are called unto the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he saith unto me, These are the true sayings of God. Verse 10, And I fell at his feet and worshipped him. And he said unto me, See thou, do it not, I am thy fellow servant, and of thy brethren, that which have the testimony of Jesus. He says, Worship God, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. So John gets up and he falls at the angel's feet. And John is in absolute awe of what's going on around him. John is, is, is just literally stunned and, and he just fell down at the angel's feet. And the angel gets him back up and he begins to look around and he sees something. It says in verse 11 here's the Jesus which is to come. I'm still preaching on this. He says, And I saw heaven opened. He said, I saw the sky open. I saw heaven open. And behold, a white horse. Now, if you know anything uh, much about, about kings in the Bible, the king always rode a white horse, didn't he? Always, anytime, even up until medieval times and and a lot of times even in in the Civil War and the Calvary and all these things, anybody that is anybody important rides a white horse. That is very important. That white horse is a symbol of power. That white horse is a symbol of of conquering, of going forth and taking over. And it said that I saw him on a white horse. Now if you, you go back into the book of John, and you find that Jesus rides into Jerusalem. He wasn't on a white horse, was he? He was on just a little donkey. He was on a colt. That's because he went in Jerusalem as the lamb. Jesus, which, which is right now, is still that one that is, is, is lowly, meek and lowly that I preached about last week. But one of these days, he's going to change into the one that is to come. And it says, and I saw a white horse. Here's a description of Jesus. And it says, and he that sat upon him was called Faithful. And true. And in righteousness he the judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire, and on his heads were many crowns, and he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. I like this next verse in thirteen. This will bless your heart. And it says, And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood. And his name is called the Word of God. Does that sound familiar? John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was God. And the Word was with God. And so Jesus is the Word of God. And it says, And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. Well, my goodness, who did the Bible just tell us that was going to be clothed in fine linen, white and clean? The bride of Christ. Amen. I'm not making that up. That's not my opinion. I just read it from the Bible. And it said, And out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, that with it he should smite the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron, and he treadeth the winepress of fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. Verse 16, And he hath on his vesture, and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. In verse 17, and I'll finish my reading here. And he says, And I saw an angel standing in the sun, and he cried with a loud voice, saying, All the fowls that fly in the midst of heavens, come and gather yourselves together unto the supper of the great God. When this happens, no matter how you believe at the end times, you have to believe this, that one of these days, this earth is going to be destroyed. That everything that we know as this earth today is going to have to be destroyed. Why? Because there's sin on this earth. If you go to Peter, and I can show you, I won't go there this morning, but if you don't believe me, you can go to the book of Peter, and you can find that the earth and all the elements thereof are going to burn with fervent heat. This earth has to be destroyed. And it sounds strange to say, but the one that helps destroy it, the one that starts the destruction, is Jesus Jesus goes forth and it says that that a sword is going to come out of his mouth. Now what does that mean? Is a literal sword going to pop out of his mouth? That means that he's going to go out and he's going to destroy the enemies of God with just his words. That he is just going to speak the word and that the enemies are going to be destroyed. Now I won't get too deep into it this morning because I don't have time. But Jesus himself, he's going to change. He's going to be different. And he's going to go forth no longer as the lamb which came to the slaughter. But then he goes forth in Revelation chapter 19 as the Jesus which is, the one that goes forth as the conquering king. And he goes and and he destroys evil and eventually, and and there's so much more to it. But he goes and he binds Satan and all these things happen. See, that's what we have to look forward to. If we're one of his saints, praise the Lord, we're, we're with him. We're right there with him. He does all the work, but we're out there with him. But if you're lost, boy, what a sad day. So you have the opportunity to be one of the ones with Jesus on the white horse. You have an opportunity this morning to be one of the ones that that gets to be clothed in the righteousness of the saints. To be part of the bride of Christ. But so many people are just, just look over that. Say, so I'll do what I can and, and I'll live a good life and, and all that, but I just want to say that that won't get you here. The only thing that will get you to this point is the precious blood of Jesus. And Jesus came and, and he's, he's given everybody, he's, he's giving everybody an opportunity He's given everybody an invitation. He says, hey, he says, here I am. If you go over to the, to the very end, in verse number 17 of, of Revelation chapter 22, I just turned it there, but he says, And the Spirit and the bride say, come, and let him that heareth say, come, and let him that is athirst come, and whosoever will, let him take of the water of life freely. <laughs> That's an invitation from Jesus himself. And he, he told us in Revelation chapter 1, he said, I am right now. He said, I am the one that's willing to save you. He said, but I'm going to be the one that is to come. Now, I know that some of you don't like the book of Revelation, but I don't think that's hard to understand, do you? I think that's pretty elementary. It's real simple. <laughs> Either you get in or you get left. You get it? Jesus has given you an opportunity. And then the, the, the second to last verse of the Bible, and I'll read it and I'll be done in just a moment. It says, Jesus, he says, He which testifieth these things saith, Surely I come quickly. Jesus says, I'm coming quickly. So my advice this morning, my prayer, my, my, my beckoning would be to make yourself right with God while you still have the opportunity to. You have an opportunity this morning. If you've heard the Word of God preached and God is dealing with your heart, if if the Holy Spirit has come and convicted you of your sins and, and showed you, hey, I'm going to be one of the ones that's left behind, I'm going to be one of the ones that may get destroyed in the end times, you have an opportunity to change that this morning. It doesn't have to be so, but so many people avoid that. So many people will just ignore that fact and just go on with their life. He says, behold, I come quickly. He said. Amen. Even so come, Lord Jesus. Even so come, Lord Jesus. That's my prayer this morning. It's to to be able just to to have this thing done. I'm ready to go. My heart's right, and, and sometimes I get so tired of what's going on. Hey, maybe he'll come back while I'm in Jerusalem. Wouldn't that be something, Tanner, to go up and be able to see the temple while we're going up? Praise the Lord. I'll meet my wife in the air. That'll be fine. We're all going to the same place. But it's surely, it's happening. I believe that with all my heart, that Jesus is coming soon. I like that song. I like to sing, troublesome times are here, filling men's hearts with fear. And then it goes on to say, Jesus is coming soon. Jesus which is, the Jesus which is, is coming. Andrew, come on get your guitar, brother. Everybody stand up this morning. Bow your head for just a moment and... I got the floor a little early this morning so I could continue. But, but I think an invitation needs to be given this morning. I think an opportunity for anybody in this house this morning that may not have their heart right with God, you have the opportunity this morning. I'm going to lead us in prayer and then, then Andrew is going to play for us. and Just just keep your heads bowed and keep your eyes closed and everybody just, just be real quiet for just a few minutes. Lord, we love you, God. I thank you for your word, Lord. It's a word of life, but Lord, it's also a word that warns us of of eternity. Your word, in so many places, tells us that we need to be one hundred percent sure that there needs to be absolutely no doubt in our mind whatsoever that if you were to come today that we're ready to meet you. And God, if there's anybody in that condition this morning, God, I pray that you would deal with their heart. Lord, you give me a salvation message, it seems like, every Sunday. And God, I trust you this morning that the message has went out. And no matter how poor the delivery or whatever it may be, that God, you have gotten the glory this morning And that everything that I've said points to you. Because you're the only one to point to. God, if there's anybody lost, I just pray that you would convict them. Lord, I just pray that that you would just, right now, God, that you would just let them step out in faith. Knowing that, that you're there for them. God, I just pray that you would just have your way in this service this morning. God, that you would just meet needs, meet the needs of people. And God, let us as Christians rejoice in the fact that you're coming back. God, let us say hallelujah to the Lamb of God this morning. Lord, have your way. In Jesus' name, amen. We've got some on the altar this morning. Everybody just keep your heads bowed, keep your eyes closed. got some people that may need to just... Make some things right this morning. If you have some unrepentant sin in your life, I would say come this morning. Maybe maybe you've got some things that that you're not so proud of in your life. Jesus said you can come. See, the wonderful thing is that Jesus, which He is, is one that, that stands there with His hand out saying that I can take care of all your needs. That, that any problems that you have, that any sin in your life, he says. He said, if you'll just ask, he said, I'm faithful and just to forgive it. What a wonderful, wonderful Savior we serve. And I just want to lift him up. I'm going to put my hands in there this morning and just say thank you, Jesus, for what you've done. Thank you, Jesus, for dying on a cross for my sins. Thank you for sitting at the right hand of your Father making intercession for everybody here. Jesus offers that love this morning, offers that grace, that kindness. But it's up to you to take Him up on it. See, there's so many good deals in the Bible. So many promises, wonderful promises. And God said, all you have to do is just take me up on them. All you just have to do is believe in faith. He said, you can have eternal life. Why would anybody in their right mind pass that up? I can't imagine why anybody would. Why would anybody say no thanks on eternal life? No, I I think I'll just have hell. That's harsh, but it's the truth. I'm glad for a Savior that loved me because Lord knows that I needed loving, that I needed Him, and there was nothing I could do to save myself. And He saved me in spite of anything that I've ever done. I'm about to end the service, but I will encourage you. I will say this to you, that even if you don't come to the altar this morning, that you can be saved. On the car ride home, you can come to my office after, after the service, meet me in the hallway, whatever the situation may be. If you need prayer, I'll pray with you. Me and, me and Tanner, we're, we're both preachers. We'll take you out and we'll get the Word of God and we'll show you how to have peace in your heart. That opportunity is here. Thank you, Lord. Amen.